You're a 415er. 415 You're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the 415ers podcast. As always, Evan Giddings, Mark Randy with you three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, 95.7 The Game. Download, rate, subscribe, five stars, or Mark's going to come find you. This is the way that we're doing it. <laughs> I might uh, I might send you a strongly worded email, but I'm not sure I'll go find you in person. Well, Mark's Mark's going to go get a haircut in a little bit, so the guy's going to be Dapper Dan looking like uh, John Wick. So don't make him act like it if you don't give us five stars. <laughs> and you have to check us out on, on YouTube on, on Friday to see how my haircut looks. So Absolutely. YouTube, uh, we're posting a couple of clips, kind of chopping things up as we give it to you on the Odyssey Podcast Network as well. Uh, go make sure to check out those clips, rate, subscribe, download, send all your friends. Uh, Mark, I want to start today with kind of a, a new expectation for this team in the San Francisco 49ers, because right now, entering week four, they do have a little bit of a longer week coming up Monday night football, another primetime slot. It will be against the Los Angeles Rams, a team they're very familiar with, but everyone's kind of still stuck on, I think, the tough loss that they sustained against Denver in week three. 11 to 10, we went through it in our reaction episode. You can go check that out. You know, nine points that the defense gave up, a running game that, and a really an, an offense that looked kind of stagnant with Jimmy Garoppolo in his first game this year as the starter. And so I want to start with what the new expectation for this team is, because a lot of people, at least when Trey, Trey Lance was QB1, sort of had this, this wavering level of expectation like it could be Super Bowl it could be six wins we don't really know but Jimmy Garoppolo seemed to sort of soften those expectations as soon as he was forced into action and so I want to start there like have your expectations of this team changed now that a guy who you've admitted you know you're not the hugest fan of in Garoppolo is now forced to again be the driver of this team well, it's been an interesting conversation because, you know, when Trey Lance first went down, Trey Lance came in or Jimmy Garoppolo came in to replace Trey Lance and he played well in that Seahawks game, got the win. The team dominated by 20 points. The overarching conversation at that point was, oh, my God, like Jimmy Garoppolo makes this team better and there's a better chance that they're going to make the playoffs. There's, you know, at least Vegas thought that the general public would think that now the Niners have a better chance to win the Super Bowl. I know you and I talked about that last week, and we kind of probably disagreed with, with Vegas there a little bit. But now, after his first start, Jimmy Garoppolo's first start of this season, where he only scores nine points offensive offensively, or well, I guess 10 points offensively, the, the field goal and, and the defense gave up nine points, but then Garoppolo gave, yeah. gave Denver two more points. Uh, things have kind of changed. I mean, you look at, over under win totals now it's still set at nine and a half um the the under is is a slight favorite there it, it's got the minus odds meaning that vegas thinks that's a little more likely to happen um and i i, I think i'm thinking of this less so from a win total perspective evan i i think 
what I care more about, I mean, obviously you want your team to win and you want them to go to the postseason and you want them to play well. But just from a watchability standpoint, I think this team has has taken a gigantic dive um, from the Trey Lance injury. Just from what we've seen from Jimmy Garoppolo, I think the the whole offseason and, and the way everything happened, it was a really strange situation between Lance and Garoppolo and Shanahan. The way everything happened, the way Jimmy Garoppolo eventually came back, I think it kind of masked and, and made people almost forget Jimmy Garoppolo's issues and the issues that this team has while he's at quarterback. They saw Trey Lance struggle for a start and a quarter. Um, and then he got hurt. Jimmy Garoppolo comes in and, you know, throws a touchdown pass to Ross Dwelly. Looks good. Plays efficient. And suddenly they're thinking, oh, my God, why did we get rid of this guy? He's playing really good football. And then one start later, he plays one of the worst games of his career. And, you know, it's his first start. He wasn't expected to be the starter. It, his, his arm is a little sore because he hasn't thrown a lot, didn't have a real training camp. I think that's all fair. I'm not sure Jimmy Garoppolo should be talking about that in the postgame press conference, but it's probably all fair. And suddenly, this entire fan base now realizes, oh my God, this team is just kind of boring when Jimmy Garoppolo's the quarterback. The play calling wasn't great, but I think it's also just because of the limitations of your quarterback and you realize now that even if the San Francisco 49ers have a successful season, if they hit that Vegas over of nine and a half, they get double digit wins. They're 10 and seven, 11 and six, whatever the number is. I, it just doesn't seem to me like it's going to be a very exciting season. And it doesn't encourage me to want to tune in every single week. Of course, I'm going to. I, I, you know, this is, you know, my my local team. And of course, you know, we host this podcast about the 49ers. We got to be we got to be watching the games. But one game, I think it kind of refreshes your memory. And I think this is the case for a lot of 49ers fans. And it makes you realize even if this team is going to win 10 games, I'm not sure how much fun I'm going to have watching it. See, I, I would I would push back on that a little bit and not because I mean, sure, aesthetically, you'd love to see your team light up the scoreboard and in an age of passing dominance, 45 points, you know, you're watching the Bills, you're watching the Chiefs, you're watching, uh, you know, the Packers, the Bucks, although maybe not last weekend, you know, there are teams that put up prolific numbers through the air. And that's, that's all a lot of fun. But I mean, I do think the 49ers, I think the question mark of which Garoppolo is going to show up now, it may not be, uh, you know, as big of an arm as a, even Trey Lance, but kind of the, the question mark of which Jimmy is going to be there on Sunday to me is worth tuning in for. And not just because, you know, we're, we're fans of the team. We want to see them succeed. We cover them and we wish them success. Like I do think aesthetically there is something to, okay, you know, Jimmy could be the Denver Jimmy. He also could be the Jimmy against the saints in 2019. Like you don't know which guy is going to be there. And I know you're shaking your head right now and you don't expect that to happen on a day in and day out basis, but that's why I'm tuning in on Sunday because this team is one with the ceiling that people were saying before the season could be Super Bowl ish. But where I'm at with this group right now, it's I'm also not looking at it as necessarily a win total, but 
if this is a year essentially where you're running it back, now you're forced into that scenario by having guys that are you know back from last year, um, large large in part the same core pieces from last season, including now the quarterback. I'm looking at okay, well then it's got to be similar to last year, and and not even aesthetically, but. If you're a team that barely got into the playoffs last season, I know they went to the conference championship, but they barely skated in. I mean, you could make an argument that they barely won the two games that they won in the playoffs. They did. So right now, the expectation for this team to me is about nine or ten wins. And that's not going to look pretty every single week, but it's going to be tuning in for because there is the air of uncertainty. And that's not comfortable for fans to hear. But isn't that why you watch the games? Like, because you don't know what's going to happen? Of course. And, you know, I want to be clear. Like, I, I'm obviously going to be tuning in. I'm not saying I won't. It's oh, just that the way, <laughs> the way that, that this offseason and preseason and training camp went, it was, okay, we're finally going to get a chance to see who Trey Lance is, um, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is back. It's great. He's going to be a fantastic backup quarterback, but fingers crossed that he never has to play because we want a full season of healthy Trey Lance. And then the injury happens to Trey Lance after they lose in week one and just kind of all the air gets taken out of your sails. It's like, it's like a gut punch and you know, the team could still be successful and, and, you know, perhaps they win a playoff game. You never know. You know, the further they go in the postseason, if they make it that far, fantastic. But it's just not the season, regardless of how many games Jimmy Garoppolo leads this team to win. It's just not the season that I was expecting and that I think most people were expecting. And after drafting Trey Lance 18 months ago, I've just been waiting patiently to see what he's going to be. And now that we have to wait a whole nother year, it's just difficult for me to wrap my head around the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo is once again the quarterback of this team. And, you know, Sunday night football in Denver didn't inspire confidence in his ability to pick up the slack and lead this team to wins. Now, I will say, certainly, uh, he will be better than he was on Sunday night, you know, in Denver. He's, he's not going to be as bad as that all season long, certainly. Um, and, you know, Kyle Shanahan, I'm sure, will be better as well. I mean, he took a lot of responsibility post-game. They just got George Did Kittle he? back. He took maybe for, for what he normally for does. For one he took play. Responsibility. For one play. True. Although, I mean, I although think, to be fair, that's more than Shanahan usually takes credit for. So I guess that's improvement. Exactly. He took credit for or he took blame for the safety, saying he put Jimmy Garoppolo in a bad spot, shouldn't have called a long developing play. Um, I know we'll touch on this later, but I am ready to defend Kyle Shanahan in terms of play calling a bit, although I, I can't defend that uh, the play call that led to that safety. Um, but still, it's it's important to note, I, I think, that Jimmy Garoppolo, you would hope, it, it seems pretty impossible that he will play to that level in Denver the rest of the season. He will likely be much improved. Um, it's also important to note kind of the, the injuries that, that they've been dealing with. I mean, you don't have your top two running backs. George Kittle missed the first two weeks. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan said uh, on Monday on his conference call with the media that much like Jimmy Garoppolo has to get back into, you know, game shape, same for George Kittle. So uh, I think there's 
a lot of blame that Jimmy Garoppolo deserves. Um, the Niners would probably be better off if, if Trey Lance was still healthy and was their quarterback. But uh, you do also have to note that there are, um, you know, some extenuating circumstances around him that that aren't making this the easiest thing for him right now. And he said, you know, post game it was my first week back with the guys. And I know a lot of people poked fun at him like, dude, you've been the starting quarterback for five or six years now. Like, you know, these guys, you know, these players. But I mean, he had a whole offseason where he underwent shoulder surgery. It was never a thought until a few weeks before the regular season that he could return to San Francisco. He was throwing off to the side, didn't throw, didn't practice, didn't get any number one reps until Trey Lance went down. Um, there's certainly something to the fact that he was kind of thrown into this quickly. And as time progresses, I'm sure he will get get better. Uh, but there's also no excusing just how... Uh, how poor his performance was on Sunday because you have most quarterbacks in the league with that defensive performance the Niners put on and and you'll win that game by at least two scores. Oh, no, I'd agree. Anytime you force nine three and outs, like I don't care <laughs> how many points you give up, you probably should win the football game. It, it took one quality drive from their opponent to essentially beat them. I mean, and that that yeah. cannot happen right now. And it took, and it took essentially three turnovers. It, it took... The fumbled snap, which is probably more on on Brendel, the center, than Garoppolo. The interception, and then the safety. The safety doesn't actually count as a turnover, but but still, it's it's essentially a turnover that also gives your opponent two points. They could have survived well, two turnovers, had the but ball not three. with a minute twenty left, and you still technically had a chance to go down and win the game if Jeff Wilson Jr. doesn't fumble. So after, yeah. all, I mean, basically four turnovers. Yeah, you're right. I was thinking three related specifically to Jimmy Garoppolo, but you're right, four as a team. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 Kyle Shanahan also um, didn't necessarily, you know, take ownership for 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 a whole lot, but he did take some of the ire off of Jimmy Garoppolo by mentioning on that fumbled snap that Jake Brendel went on the count of two as opposed to the rest of the offense that went on one. So we can kind of do away with that. Um, I don't necessarily want to defend Jimmy Garoppolo, but I do think that's where. It sounds like um, a lot of people are going to be headed uh, if he does bounce back. And I want to remind everyone, of course, that this this uh, podcast, the 415ers podcast, is coming at you three times a week on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Evan Giddings, Mark Grandy. You can find us on social media at egiddings10 for Mark at Mark Grandy. Mark with a C, Grandy with an I. Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, I don't necessarily expect him to be a, a different quarterback. No one should. and But I also don't think he should be nearly as bad as he was against Denver for the rest of the season for some of the reasons that you just laid out. The fact that he did not have an entire normal offseason like he usually does, which also, as we found out, includes ghosting the majority of his team for about three months. <laughs> but he is coming off of shoulder surgery. He kind of looked like it, to be honest, in his first start. And compared to, you know, Denver's a much better defense than Seattle. He had finally a full week of practice with the ones, you know, even though I don't think it's fair to just expect, I don't know, the Seahawks rollover. I did expect him to, I don't know, at least be a little more accurate, especially in the areas that we have seen him be better at over the middle, kind of those window passes. Um, he was 
just a bit off with with most of his throws, although he made a couple of good ones. Um, and this is where I want to go next. Like, I do think there is a next level for Garoppolo. Now, it's not going to be anything. Uh, he's not all of a sudden going to have a fastball, at, you know, start throwing rocks all over the outside, and he's not going to be taking the top off the defense. But I do think, because everyone was killing him specifically for the two Debo throws, or one of which he didn't throw, and understandably yeah. so. He's got Debo wide open in the first half, and he's looking at, I, I think, honestly, he was looking at Kittle on that play who was covered and then came back over to the left, so he completely missed a wide open Debo downfield. And then later, kind of a similar play, but ran to the other side of the field where he throws it, and Debo has to just wait for a three-flies-up catch coming down on the sideline. I do think Garoppolo will be able to hit those throws as this season moves on, as he continues to get more reps, as he continues to get hopefully healthier, and the arm begins to come back. I do believe that he will be able to make those type of passes, whereas he was not for the reasons that you laid out in his first full start. What gives you that confidence? I mean, how, how when have we seen him consistently make those throws in stride to open receivers? Now, maybe some like the Debo one, the second Debo one, where he completed it to him, but if he puts it out in front of him, he walks in for a touchdown and said it's only, what, a 25, 30-yard gain. I'm not sure what gives you the confidence in saying that because the Jimmy Garoppolo that that I know that I'm used to to watching either as as you laid out on that first Debo play either doesn't see the wide open receiver or does see him but doesn't trust his arm to throw it I'm not sure what's worse or two does see him does throw it but throws it poorly I I you know there are times of course you can find examples where he put a ball on the money you know, 25, 30 yards down the field on the sideline, hits him in stride, and, and it ends up being a touchdown. The examples are certainly there. But I would say the majority of the time, something with the play goes wrong, whether it's Garoppolo's identification of the open receiver, deciding to throw, or making a poor throw. I, I would disagree with you there. I'm not confident that it'll get to a point where he's hitting those throws consistently. It'll probably be better than it was against Denver, but based on his history, I'm sorry, I, I just don't see him consistently making those throws because I think his career suggests that he won't. Yeah, and I'm not saying every time that a guy's open, he's going to be able to hit him. I mean, of course, know, not every time, but we, we didn't see Trey Lance do that either. I mean, everyone was talking about, and this is actually something that I think is, is a little comical. People talking about how Trey Lance was going to win that game against Denver. Now, Trey Lance might have been able to hit Debo on one or both of those throws. He also might have thrown the ball into the third row because Trey Lance right now, we cannot speak to his accuracy. His arm strength is there, but he does not like to me, the consistency of Trey like does not does not compute like. I don't I don't fully expect him to be able to make that throw just as you don't expect Jimmy Garoppolo to be able to make that throw. So I don't see how people can say that Trey Lance as a starting quarterback would have won that game. I do think that with more repetitions, Garoppolo will hit that pass enough. Like, I mean, week uh, his first week, he was able to find Dwelly on a pass that Trey Lance could not make the week before. Like, I think those type of throws will be there enough for the offense to score at a rate that they need to, to win football games enough to get to the playoffs. Like I, I and maybe it's one out of every three, but it's not going to be O of two or O of four 
like we saw against Denver. Like to me, that was the bottom of the barrel as far as Jimmy Garoppolo is concerned. And we're all being a little bit of a prisoner of the moment. We probably are. And I hear you about Trey Lance and we're not really sure, you know, how his accuracy is and if he would have hit those throws. But one thing that I think I can say for certain is that Trey Lance is going to let it rip and trust his arm more often than Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe that trust is misplaced. Maybe he shouldn't trust his arm as much as he does. You can make that case. I'm not going to make that case right now, but I would say Trey Lance trusts his arm and his ability to make those big throws down the field more than Jimmy Garoppolo. And this is for a quarterback who's young, who has started four games at the NFL level. Maybe he'll soon realize next year when he gets in, in games again, hey, I can't make those throws as often as I could. I will, you know, stop making those throws and, you know, take those chances a little less often. But the thing that I like about Trey Lance, and I think this was kind of, you know, pushed down, buried underneath the surface because of the way Kyle Shanahan called plays for him through his first five quarters this season, is that he does trust his arm. He will let it fly down the field. And I guarantee you, one, he would have saw Debo Samuel, even if the first read was a George Kittle out, he would have seen Debo Samuel streaking down the right sideline, and without hesitation, he would have made the throw. Now, as you mentioned, it could have went into the third row, but I would rather my quarterback take a throw to a wide-open streaking receiver down the field and miss him than throw somewhere else. It's worth the risk because there's almost no risk. The worst thing is it falls incomplete on a guy that wide open. So. You know, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo turns down a wide open receiver down the field. Maybe he doesn't see him and he goes to the flat and gets seven yards. Congratulations, seven yards. But I want my quarterback going for it all. And I think despite the fact that what we know about Trey Lance is relatively small still, we don't know a lot about him. I feel pretty confident in saying that he would be taking those shots. And in a Kyle Shanahan offense that consistently schemes up receivers open 15, 20 yards down the field. I think that leads to more points for the 49ers, and I'll go against you. I think they win that game if Trey Lance is the starter. I mean, maybe they do. Trey Lance probably doesn't walk out of bounds. I don't know. I mean, maybe he takes a. I don't know. Maybe maybe he takes a sack. Maybe he gets. Maybe he fumbles. I mean, I, like there's a lot of. I don't. I don't want to make this a hypothetical about about Trey Lance. I, I feel terrible for the guy that he doesn't get a chance to prove me wrong or prove you right or prove what everyone thinks about him or Jimmy G. But I just feel like it's a little unfair for people to force everything on Garoppolo. And maybe this is where we transition to your defense of Kyle Shanahan, because to me, there's as much to do about the play calling and the sort of bland vanilla ice cream that we've seen the first game for Garoppolo that, to be quite honest, we've seen for the first three weeks for the San Francisco 49ers, although they've had two different quarterbacks already. He finally gets his tight end one back. You got Debo Samuel. You got Brandon Ayuk. And after the first quarter, it looked like Kyle Shanahan had a had a, a playbook about as deep as the shallow end of a pool. Like he, he went three feet into his bag when he's got six feet of tricks. Now, maybe some of that is he doesn't he didn't trust Jimmy Garoppolo to be able to make a throw because he didn't hit Debo on the one that was open. He didn't even look at Debo on an opening down the field. But shouldn't you be able to trust your quarterback who's been there for six years? I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is not the same version as the one that came over from the Patriots, but 
isn't the reason why you have a scheme to get guys open so that you trust your quarterback to be able to deliver the football. It's his first game back. But from what I saw, Kyle Shanahan, not only in the passing game, but also in the running game, was not as creative as advertised. You take out the Jeff Wilson Jr. 30-plus yard run, they're at about two, two and a half yards per carry. And that's before Trent Williams goes down. I understand after everything changes because of how important Trent is in the offensive line. But to me, there was not enough consistency in the running game. And so Denver doesn't have to, I mean, like they're saying, sure, Jimmy beat us over the top and he didn't do it early. But to me, Kyle Shanahan, that doesn't mean you have to go away from him. I'm not saying you take 40 yard bombs or, you know, but the, the, it, it looked like the 49ers were trying to kill the Broncos with death by a thousand cuts by using a butter knife. And that's not going to win you games, even if your offense has a has it has a you know explosive day. Like even if you're in the 20s, which they haven't really been. I mean, we talked about this last time. They're 28th in points right now. They have not been able to score with Trey Lance or now with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that does come down to who's under center, but even more so. Who is calling the plays? I I think I agree with you in terms of the run game. I, I think it's gotten a little predictable. Um, it's still a, a tough, you know, run game to defend, just, you know, the way that the zone scheme works. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan admitted as much on Monday, specifically about the Debo Samuel runs, that, you know, they're not surprising any anyone with those anymore. Like, everyone knows they're coming, and generally when you see Debo Samuel in the backfield – it means he's probably going to get the ball. Now, he's still good enough that he could turn that into a big game, but the element of surprise is gone, at least from that portion of the run game. And I mean, the Niners are down two of their better running backs. So I agree that the play calling in the run game has gotten a little stale. I would also say there are other issues, injury issues that are probably affecting that as well. However, where I disagree with you is in the passing game. There's a great compilation with the all 22 footage put up on Twitter by uh, by Kyle Posey at a KP underscore show of Niners Nation. And you can see some of these when you're watching the game live on, on Sunday night. But it's just, you know, play after play after play of an open Niner receiver, 10 or 15 yards down the field, generally over the middle of the field that Garoppolo doesn't see and doesn't throw to. The first one is on the first drive of the game I believe it was a third down at about eight and it was the first target for George Kittle who ran just a simple comeback on the left side of the formation but Brandon Ayuk ran a skinny post on the right Debo Samuel was out in the flat on the right side to take that corner away from Brandon Ayuk and Ayuk just cut back towards the middle part of the field and was wide open about 15 yards beyond the line of scrimmage Garoppolo threw to Kittle. It was knocked down by former Niner DJ Jones at the line of scrimmage. Probably a good thing, too, because Kittle was double double covered, and it could have been a pick six if it got all the way towards the intended target. That's just one example. There are a number of others that were put up on this compilation by Kyle Posey. I do suggest taking a look at it if you're interested in that all-22 footage and, and just seeing how this offense and Kyle Shanahan's play calling is still scheming guys open. It's just the limitations of this quarterback are such that either he doesn't see them or he doesn't trust his arm to make the throw or he tries to make the throw and can't. Can't put it on his guy. Maybe he gets 15 yards instead of 30, 45 or a house call. I think it's dangerous to say that Kyle Shanahan's 
passing game play calling has has gotten worse because I think the evidence is there to suggest that it is as good as ever, but simply his quarterback can't make the plays. Now, you could say, well, Kyle, you know the limitations of your starting quarterback. Maybe try to do something that he can do. But my God, if your quarterback can't make a, a simple throw to a crossing receiver 20 yards over the middle of the field, then I'm sorry. It, it's not the head coach's fault. That is a, a throw that every NFL quarterback should make. It's a throw that most college quarterbacks can make. And maybe this is something that all fixes itself in a couple of weeks when Jimmy Garoppolo gets more comfortable as the starting quarterback. But I, I'm sorry, the, the way that Kyle Shanahan called this game uh, the Niners should have scored way, way, way more than 10 points. And, uh, you know, the guy that deserves the most blame for that is not Kyle Shanahan. It's Jimmy Garoppolo. Fair or not, it is Jimmy Garoppolo. This is the 415ers podcast, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, three times a week on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Evan Giddings and Mark Grandy with you here as always. I hear what you're saying about Garoppolo, and I understand that it's also his first game. And that's why I do think that there will be improvements from the quarterback position because it was his first game this season. Now, if Kyle Shanahan continues to scheme guys open as he has in years past, Jimmy G has demonstrated that, yes, there are physical limitations, but he's also demonstrated that he can hit those throws enough for you to win football games. Now, he's not going to do it 85, 90% of the time like some of the other top 10, top five quarterbacks in the league. We know we know what Jimmy G is. He's a top 15 at best in the league. 16, 17, that's where he's been usually year in and year out. And that's also been good enough to get you to two conference championship games and one Super Bowl. So I don't think it's a situation where you're going to expect that every single week. And that to me is why I'm tuning in to each and every game. Because while it's not necessarily comfortable to not know which quarterback is going to show up, I'm also very much intrigued to see how Jimmy Garoppolo can get better this season and how Kyle Shanahan's play calling, in my opinion, can get better this year. Maybe not as much in the passing game, but certainly in the running game. And to your to your point about not having his full you know, load of running backs, well, he hasn't necessarily needed them in the past. It's true. He usually typically uses a rotation of guys. I mean, just take a look at last season. Elijah Mitchell was a six-round pick that was not supposed to be on the initial top three depth chart. But Raheem Mostert goes down. Trey Sermon turns out to be a bust. He's no longer on the team anymore. And Mitchell steps up and turns into a near-thousand-yard rusher. So this year, to be honest, I don't think there's an excuse in the running game for you not to be as good as you've been in years past. Because Kyle Shanahan, while I don't believe him to be the quarterback whisperer that people purported him before he got the 49ers job, and even to some extent with the 49ers, I think he's demonstrated an ability to create running backs. And so that's why this season, I expect that to be the norm. I expect that to be the standard. I'm not saying there needs to be another bell cow that immediately steps up, but Jeff Wilson Jr., along with the rest of those guys back there, they need to run the football better, and they will need to do that if you're going to win Jimmy uh, win games with Jimmy Garoppolo. I agree. They have to run the ball better. They also have to run the ball more. 19 rushing attempts, 18 if you don't include a, a Jimmy Garoppolo run that didn't get any yards. So well, I, but agree. I, I also get you not running the ball that much if you're getting two yards a pop. That's why I'm, I'm saying the creativity needs to be more, and that's why you need to create more yards is because you can't 
win by passing the ball 35 times a game with Jimmy G. That has not ever been the recipe for success. I mean, you average, and I know it's a little inflated because of the 37-yard run by Jeff Wilson Jr., but, I mean, you averaged 4.6 per run in this game. That includes the the nothing run from Jimmy Garoppolo. It includes Debo Samuels, 5 for 6. Jeff Wilson Jr., even if you take out, let me do some quick math here, if you take out that 37-yard run, he's still averaging over three yards per carry. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's not like over that, in fact, like three and a half yards per carry. So that's yeah, not a like terrible number. Yeah, it's like 37 or something. Yeah, it, it's, not, it's not terrible. It's not absolutely fantastic, but that's still a decent number. Jordan Mason had one carry, went for seven yards, obviously a small sample size, and you have no clue if, if he was going to be effective if he got more carries, but... I'm sorry. I think that's still a good enough number, you know, from Jeff Wilson Jr. specifically to encourage you to run the ball more. I mean, 12 carries, 75 yards, including one that almost broke for six. And I know this was a really weird game because you just couldn't move the ball. I mean, Denver, despite the fact that they that they uh, had nine three and outs, I mean, they ran 18 more plays than you, 70 to 52 you did have more yards. You got obviously more yards per play than Denver did. Um, I think if you have an issue with Kyle Shanahan's play calling in the game against Denver, uh, I don't think you can look at the passing game. I don't think you can look at the passing scheme. Maybe a bit on the running scheme. I agree with you. It's gotten a little bit predictable, but I would say I think you just needed to run the ball more. You needed more volume of that to try to wear down some clock, to try to keep the Denver defense on the field a little bit longer because on the other side, your defense is getting worn down. Trying to defend 70 plays, I mean, that's not easy. So if there's some blame for Kyle Shanahan in the play calling, I I would say it is in the run game. And now moving forward, I think that it's going to be even more difficult because you sustained – more injuries in this game. I mean, Trent Williams now with the high ankle sprain out likely at least a month. The general timeline for high ankle sprains are four to six weeks. But when asked on his Monday conference call, are you considering IR for Trent Williams? Kyle said, uh, Kyle said, uh, not right now, but you know, if, if things don't progress the way that we want them to, it's a possibility. So this could be a really long injury for Trent Williams and I'm sure the run game and the pass game will suffer because of it. Because as we know, he's the best left tackle in football, one of the best players in general in football. Yeah, no, that that's absolutely going to hurt. And they're going to need to find ways to cover up the blind side of Jimmy Garoppolo better than they'd have to with Trent. I mean, you can pretty much pencil in zero pressure, zero sacks. Anything coming from that side is not going to get to Jimmy Garoppolo. So that that's certainly something to pay attention to as well, especially in in the passing game. I think more so, um, just because honestly, I think the offensive line we haven't talked about it much, and we haven't needed to talk about it much, despite it being. I, I know you were a little higher on them than other people entering the season, but with three guys up front with large in part little to no experience in the NFL or minimal experience, I should say, I think they've done pretty well and. I mean, I expect that to continue, or I hope it continues. But taking a look at what they need to do, I do think the volume of runs will increase. But I also think that, and maybe this is to your point, like it's also easier for teams to 
stack the box when you know that Garoppolo is not going to press the ball down the field, even in the intermediary range of 10 to 15 yards. And when you're able to create more pressure, it means less time. Jimmy's trying to get the ball quick. We saw a lot of happy feet from Jimmy Garoppolo against the Denver Broncos, which is never a good thing. But I think that Shanahan, to me, it, it, it always comes back to him just because of at least what I expect from the 49ers. And what I expect them to do is win boring. I know at the top of this podcast, you mentioned that this team is going to be one of the more you know boring-looking uh, groups, and maybe that's how they have to win. I mean, I know that before the season, I felt like primarily because of the quarterback situation, this was a team in San Francisco that was going to be maybe the most interesting group in football just because of the wild card of Trey, Kyle Shanahan with his new toy, a top five defense. They had a lot going for them that made them an interesting watch, even if they're not lighting up the scoreboard. Now, all that allure is gone, and you're back to essentially, as we mentioned in the previous episode, the 2021 49ers, which were not a team that lit up the scoreboard. So to me, even though you're you're kind of, I guess, concerned about how boring this team is going to be, to me, that almost gives me you know, a, a little bit of comfort because I know that they can win boring. It's just now about executing and figuring out ways to run the ball more, create more pressure, maybe take a couple of shots. Hopefully Jimmy hits them. If he doesn't, you rely on that defense that has now allowed basically 10 points in the last two games. Yeah, the defense is, is phenomenal. Points allowed, they rank third in the NFL. Total defense, second in terms of yards allowed per game. Passing defense, their first Rush yards per attempt, third overall. Third down percentage, they're top 10 at ninth overall, so they're getting off the field at a relatively high clip as well. But the offense, I mean, points scored, 28th. Total yards, 23rd. Passing yards, 29th. They're middle of the pack rushing yards per attempt right now at 13th, so the running game is still the strength of this offense. Of course, it's only three games. The numbers, you know, viable to change with, with every play and, and every series just because it's a relatively small sample still. And you consider the teams that you've played. I mean, it doesn't exactly inspire confidence moving forward, but there's also the issue of the conditions in Chicago, you know, a, a lot going in. But still, this is a very good defense. Uh, it, it's it's a defense on a team that that deserves to be a better than, than one and two. But I think the other key... We, we kind of briefly touched on Trent Williams and some of the injuries, Evan, for the 49ers right now. I think the other key to unlocking this game and, and this offense, I should say, for the 49ers is getting George Kittle involved once again. I feel like it's been a really long time since he's had a classic George Kittle game. You look at his last seven games, Evan, including last year's playoffs. It includes three playoff games. In seven games... Kittle's last seven games, 19 catches, 196 yards, and one touchdown. That's just not good enough. And I know when he's not catching the ball, when he's not running routes, he's doing a fantastic job in the trenches, opening up a lot in the run game. But when you have a dynamic pass-catching tight end, such as George Kittle, you have to get him involved more in the passing game. There is no excuse. 19 catches, 196 yards, one touchdown in seven games. Kittle should be averaging that every two games moving forward. That is a very, very concerning number. And if the Niners want to try to right the ship offensively, George Kittle has to be in the middle of it. 
But you can't have it both ways, Mark. I mean, you just said that you're not really faulting Shanahan for his passing play calling because of uh, because I'm, of the I'm quarterback. Ta- talking about in the Denver game specifically, I, I don't think you can you can blame Kyle Shanahan uh, because there were so many open receivers that Jimmy Garoppolo missed in that game. I, I think there are larger issues in general that we've seen a trend from over the you know dating back to last season. Um, and I, I think most of that is the run game predictability, but I will say, um, George Kittle needs to be involved more and whether that's Shanahan designing more plays specifically for him or just Jimmy Garoppolo relying on him more, maybe it's a bit of both, but I, George Kittle needs to be involved more. I think he does too. The question is how, because if your formula for success, and, and I certainly want to get into this as we come close to wrapping up this episode, taking a look at the Rams game, which that episode will drop on Friday. If you're running the ball 30 times at least, which to me is kind of the the number, the threshold, which you need to be at, at least for this 49ers team right now to be successful, then you're probably looking at you know 25 to 30 passes, maybe a little bit more if it's a tight game for Garoppolo. So then how are you divvying up targets? Like, does it got to be 10 for George Kittle? Does he need to get, you know, at minimum eight looks, um, how many are going to Debo? How many are going to Ayuk? You know, like when you actually do the math, I think it is. I do agree that George Kittle should be used more than he is as a pass catcher. But with Trent Williams now going down, the offensive line, the blocking is going to need more help. To me, I could completely see Kyle Shanahan saying George Kittle, not to say that he is not valuable as a pass catcher, but he could be even more valuable as a blocker now with Trent Williams being out than he was before. So if Kittle shows up for another three catch, you know, 20 yard performance, similar to what he did against Denver, to me, that's, I'm not going to be shocked by a George, by a non George Kittle game, as you're talking about, because it has been his MO to have a couple of huge games per season and everyone go, wow, I can't believe that George Kittle, you know, broke out when he did. That's what he should be doing every single week. But then the next week, he comes back to what you're talking about and laying out in the playoffs, which is a couple of looks here and there and being used as a dominant force in the running game. Yeah, no, you're right. It's kind of in the story of his career where everyone clamors for more George Kittle and then the team finds ways to, you know, win elsewhere. And every once in a while, he he kind of breaks out for a gigantic performance. There was kind of a funny moment last week when he was meeting with the media, the George Kittle that is, you know, previewing the Denver game. He was asked about the last time he played the Denver Broncos. Uh, I believe it was 2018, a home game inside a Levi's stadium. He had over 200 yards in the first half, in the first half alone in that game, including, I think, one like 80-yard touchdown where he just ran free down the right sideline. Uh, And he was kind of joking with reporters when someone asked him, so like what happened in the second half? No catches. Like, did they try to just force feed you the ball to get that receiving record? I think he was only like five yards shy of the of the single game tight end receiving record. And uh, he was like, uh, only like once or twice. Thanks, Kyle. Like jokingly, you know, taking a shot at Kyle for not just giving him the ball more in the second half of a game that was already in hand to get him the record. Um, but I think, you know, that kind of underhanded comment by George Kittle, you know, obviously a joke. He did not mean it. It's kind of how... 49ers fans, I saw you raise your eyes there. It's kind of how 49ers fans feel about Kyle Shanahan and how 
generally uninvolved George Kittle is in the passing game. Uh, but I, I would agree with you in that he's he's so important to the running game that it's kind of a, a hard balance to to strike. It's hard to find that middle ground because he does both so incredibly well. And because Trent Williams is out, Colton McKivitz likely will fill in for him at left tackle. It, it kind of makes it even more difficult. Um, but I'll still hold hold to, to my original point in that when you have such a dynamic pass catcher, you have to get him involved more at least than what he did in the Bronco game. I mean, you look at at uh, what he did there, four catches, 28 yards on, on five targets. It's not terrible. At least he threw him the ball five times, but I think he should be seeing eight, nine, or ten targets a game and hopefully getting at least six catches a game. And some of that could also be, you know, the quarterback's not really leading him, allowing him to pick up those yards after catch that George Kittle has made a living on. Um, I also think, too, that, I mean, I, I expect him to, I mean, it, it's just so hard to project. Look, I got George Kittle on my fantasy team, but I'm not expecting him each and every <laughs> week to put up a 20-point game. Like, that's just, I don't know, kind of what you have to expect. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Uh, if I if I had George Kittle on my fantasy team, it would be a weekly dis- uh, decision. Do I start him or not? Because I wouldn't be sure. And so far, week one has been a disappointment. But on <laughs> the other hand, I could see him this week blowing up and you know finding a way to have a big game against the Rams as he's done in the past. So uh, it, it'll be very interesting. We'll have a lot more thoughts on that coming up on Friday's episode as this has been the 415ers podcast three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. I'm Evan Giddings. That is Mark Grandy. Mark, I appreciate you as always, man. Yep, you too. We'll talk to you again on Friday. All right, take it easy, everyone. We'll be back on Friday to preview the Los Angeles Rams Monday night tilt. In the meantime, take it easy. We'll see you next time.